This evening we're going to be in uh, John, the book of John. I'm going to take a little sidetrack from the book of Acts, working through it. This is, I guess, what we'd call my Christian message, or my Christmas message. <laughs> but it is a Christian message. And uh, as I was preparing for that, I, uh, I, I guess I'd like to start with a prayer. I think that's always the best thing to do is start with a prayer. But as I was preparing and, and mulling over uh, this week, and I, t- I chase a lot, of, I go down a different, a lot of different rabbit holes, and my brother's like, well, what are you even doing there? And, and I, I don't know. But I, I did find this verse in uh, Thessalonians 2.13, but we are going to be in John, uh, the first chapter, 1 through 18, the prologue. So, but I would just like to pray this to us because I, I think it's pertinent to the message too. And it comes out of First uh, Thessalonians 2.13. And I'll just start off by uh, always, always, I always have to start off by g- giving God the Father, thanking him for his grace, his mercy, his love, the love of God, the grace of Jesus, the communion with the Holy Spirit, And I read, and for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing that when you received the word of God, which you have heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe in Jesus' name. Amen. So this evening, as we're approaching Christmas, I think oftentimes a question's asked, uh, how, why are we so narrow that we believe in this man called Jesus is the only way for our salvation to enter into to glory and enter into heaven? You know, why can't we make it as a, a Buddhist or Allah or some other way upon works? I mean, you know, if you have such a loving God, then, then why, why is it, why do we have to do this? Why is it so difficult? And I didn't want to start with Luke or Matthew, the birth of Jesus. I, I, I'd, like to go, I'd like to say, therefore, and then back up and, and talk a little bit about Jesus as what we know him. And this just seems to be a big question. In this time of the year, you, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, uh, I don't have all, I, I'm not always so happy. I, I, I get stressed out, I, and, and I'm sure most of you do too. It's a very stressful time of the year. Um, but I'm very blessed. And why am I blessed? Because I have a right relationship with God. And that's what I would like to share with you tonight. That, that, would, be like, that would be the gift that I want to share you, with you, to have a right relationship with God, and that it may produce joy and happiness in your life. I, I don't have a man we don't have man-centered messages here. I, I can't promise you uh, financial independence. I can't promise you a healing. I can't promise you anything man-centered to attract you. I know the churches are going to be full on Christmas. Christmas is the one time of the year that everybody comes in, and, and a lot of the churches, I hate to say it, will want to attract by the flesh of the man to attract. And, and maybe that's what troubles me too at this time of the year, because my God is more than just a lottery ticket. And and I just want to share that with you with, with sincerity in my heart, uh, with love and understanding that, that I, can, I can bring light. I can bring light to it. 
but so I'd like to just answer this question about this God. That why does why does this seem to be so narrow? This God. Well, let's just talk about this God a little bit. Let's just just go into Genesis and. And do you realize by the, the first, by the third chapter of Genesis, Adam and Eve, that God made everything, the first three chapters is how God made everything, how he made it good. He gave it to Adam and Eve to rule over. It was their dominion to rule over. And by the third chapter, we find the wheels come off the cart. Adam and Eve. There was one, one, one command, not to eat from this tree. This was the first sin. That what, what was the first sin? Even before they took the bite of the fruit, what was the sin? Questioning God's sovereign authority. And it was, it was laced with Satan with a half lie. And that's still pertinent today and still going on today. But this God made everything, and he made it good. And he gave it to man. And he gave man woman, because he shouldn't be alone. And then we find by the fourth chapter... There's, there's a murder, Cain, Cain and Abel. By, this, by the sixth chapter, we have the, uh, a sexual sin. The daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, they, they were having inappropriate sexual relations. By the seventh chapter, we, we now enter into the judgment of God. If, that God says that... He, his spirit can no longer dwell with man's. It's, it's a complete train wreck with what he created, what man had done. And I'm just going to read just a little bit of it. And, and Noah became the father of these three sons. Verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all the flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God instructs Noah to build an ark. Then we have the flood. Then by the ninth chapter, we have Noah. We see drunkenness. And then we see Ham looked upon his father, nude. And this seemed to be just a horrendous sin. And I don't want to try to read into the text here. But his brothers had to walk in backwards and, and cover their father up because of his nakedness. And then Noah had woken up and says, uh, I know what you have done to me. And, he, he, and, there, and there's a judgment of God pronounced on Ham's son, Canaan, the Canaanites, which will eventually be the judgment of God, which is another hard thing for pastors to try to explain, especially with a man-centered gospel. But God, after the flood, he, he, he gave it the same command, gave it to them to give their burnt offerings, made up, made up for Noah, got it down to... You think there was just three families, they could start following God's law. You think they could start walking in the right direction. They just seen everybody was drowned. God promised them that the rainbow, that he would never take out, kill every living being again by water, and the rainbow is a sign of his covenant. We had a covenant with Adam and Eve that it was good. We had a covenant with Noah. Then we're going to find, we're going to walk into Abraham. That he chooses Abraham to, to be this nation. He tells, he tells Abraham to, 
go to this land. It's his land. He's going to take the, the, the Canaanite land. And he's going to build a great nation, as many as the stars in the heavens. And he has to travel across these lands. And what does he do? He tells his wife. He says, uh, don't tell these people you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister because they'll kill me. That was a lack of faith in God. And do we not have faith in God when God gives us promises and commands? Do we, do we lack faith in that? Here's Abraham. God has promised him something. But he doesn't believe in the working that, that God will fulfill this. We see that later with, because Sarah was, was, uh, she was barren at a certain age. And she, she gave over her, her helpmate to, to Abraham to try to fulfill what God had promised. God has continued to do his work, to share his grace. Then we see, well, just, I'm just not going to keep belaboring this, but there, there just seems to be sin after sin after sin. And the redemption, God keeps showing his grace, his mercy. Then we know the story about Joseph, how Joseph gets sold into slavery from his brothers. Sold into slavery. Then a great nation was built. Then there was the exodus. Then there was Moses. We have the, the Mosaic Covenant, the promise that God had made. And it, and it wasn't... It, Moses goes up to re receive instructions from God, and all of them begin to make false idols and begin to sin. And Moses comes down, throws the Ten Commandments down and breaks them. God made them walk in that desert for 40 years. And he said, not until this day have I opened your eyes up and give you a heart to know, eyes to see, and ears to hear. Not until this day they wandered in that desert because they had to have a generation die off before the new generation could move in. So continually God has been working with his redemptive plan and showing his grace throughout history. And I want to just think this time of the year, because I, I understand that everybody's looking for this happy message, but everybody's not happy. There's, there's probably someone in the hospital right now waiting for a, a liver transplant. That uh, if they don't receive that, they're, you know, it's not looking good for them. Uh, there's people in the hospital that are sitting there that they're, they're going to go to the bathroom. They can't get up, and it, it just, it's degrading to them. There's, there's people caught in addiction, suffering. They, they, they do this drug, and then the next morning they say they never want to do it again, and it's killing them. There's people stressed out that are honestly trying to make a living to take care of their families. And they have to provide for Christmas to keep up with everybody else. We have the anxieties of this perverse and fallen world that our leaders are, are disobeying God. We have, we have illnesses. Someone may be suffering cancer right now, having to go have chemotherapy therapies. We may have a family that just suffered the loss of a loved one. All these things are going on in people's hearts right now. They're heavy hearts. And, uh, and, and that weighs heavy on my heart too. When we minister to people, that weighs heavy on my heart. 
And I, and I want to give an encouraging. Now, it doesn't sound too encouraging so far now, does it? I, I, I agree. It does not. But I, I want to give an encouraging message of hope uh, of Jesus. And I, I would just like to go to John, to the prologue of John. First chapter. And uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being. He was the light and life of the world, what the darkness could not overcome. See, this, this Jesus, this, in the beginning where it says John, starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Just like it starts off in the beginning of Genesis, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. As there is, an, uh, there is a beginning that, that, that automatically what we're, we're established, this is just so profound, so profound to understand that we, we begin to understand Jesus' nature, who he is, that he is 100% God, 100% man. He's eternal. He was with God in the beginning. God declares him as the word. It's a, it's a logos, uses the term word as, as a title for Jesus, a counter word in the Bible, symbolic of the nature and the function of Jesus Christ, also used to refer to the revelation of God in the world. And I tried to fit, the, I, I mull over this word, word, logos, the logos, and there's just been volumes and volumes written on the logos, but it's just amazing how this title will only fit and work for Jesus as a person. It will only fit for Jesus, the Word, the message, the Logos. Just the same way the light. He was the light. He was the bread. He was the water. He's the living water. He's the light of the world. He's the Word. And then we see in the beginning in Genesis, and it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And then it talks about how he spoke it into existence, the word. And here we see in John that everything came through Jesus. Jesus created everything. He was an equal of God, equal, equal in all power and aspects. We see that, that what happens at this point in time, what Jesus, what happens is he becomes an infinite, and he, he comes into a finite, our God, all-powerful, a omni, not all-powerful, all-knowing, transcending God, omnipotent, omnipotent God. It shows his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. He's supernatural. He can create things out of nothing. This man, Jesus, the Word, referring to Word. And what does he do? He comes into the form of his own creation. He becomes an infinite creature, and he manifests himself to a finite being, to a baby. And we read in Matthew that the Holy Spirit's working in that in Mary's womb. This omnipotent God, he, conf he conformed to time. 
A God that knows no time. He transcends time. He conformed to time. He's an invisible God. He made himself visible. He's supernatural. One who reduced himself to a natural. Supernatural reduced himself to a natural, to man. It's just so profound. It's eternal. Verses, the, the first verses here, one through three, it speaks of his eternalness. It says, in the beginning, he was with God in the beginning as an equal, the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that, he, that has come into being. And oftentimes we find a lot of false religions when we know even back then in that time the false religions were, would want to say that, that Jesus came in the form of a spirit. The Gnostics. And we still have that today with different false religions. And here he's eternal. He's, he's making a statement here. Now verses 4 and 5. The incarnate. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. He is the light, immovable. When we when we get when we get to heaven, there will be no sun. There will be no. There will be a, it, it. It will be a no shadow, just a. A light all around of, of, of equalness. His radiant of who he is. And he is that light to all men. He gives all men their light in their life. Jesus, the intercessory for us to God. The only, the, the only one that could be called the word. Or the light. Or the living water, or the bread of life. Then we find in verses 6 through 8, it speaks of John the Baptist, the forerunner. This is very important. There was a man having been sent from God, whose name was John. He came as his witness to bear witness about the light, so that all might believe through him. But he came to bear witness about the light. This evening, my message is to bear witness about this man, Jesus, who came in the form of his creation. And John the Baptist was a forerunner. And the, the Pharisees and the scribes had a very difficult time with this because they, they asked him, who, who is he? Who are you? And he says, I'm not the Christ. And they begin to ask him, are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? And he didn't say that. He says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. 
But see, we still got a problem there. We still have a problem because the, the, last, the last prophet, 400 years before John the Baptist, was Malachi. And the very last thing Malachi said was a prophet, the last one before John the Baptist, chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahweh. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land, devoiding it in destruction. So see, there, there's a problem here because this was not Elijah. So then we find, but we find out that this was the spirit of Elijah. And where do I find that out at? I find that out from God, from Jesus, the Word, who performed miracles, who came in the form of His creation, who transcended time, came in the form of His creation, performed one miracle after another to prove that He was the Son of Man. And He says over in Matthew... I'm not going to start reading the wrong verse. I'll tell you that. He says in Matthew, chapter 11, this is what our Lord says. He says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John... The Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law have prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah, who has come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to the other children. Here's Jesus saying, if you can accept that this is Elijah to come in the Spirit, the greatest man that ever lived, the forerunner fulfilling the, the prologue here in John. Verses 9 to 11. Omnip omnipotent. Is omnipotent, just all-powerful, transcending. It tells us in these verses 9 to 11. And it says, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens everyone. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to what was his own. He came what was his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. He's a finite, he's an infinite God came into a finite creature. He, he conformed himself to time, one who knows no time. He was invisible, he became visible. He was supernatural, he reduced himself to a natural. And he did not give up any of his, his nature. He didn't give up his infinite. He didn't give up 
any of his attributes. He's 100% God and 100% man. And in verse 5, reiterates the same thing. And it says, And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. Some verses say, not overcome. I like by overtaking it. And as, we're, as we were reading in Matthew about the violence of what it comes, when he was speaking about you know, John the Baptist, uh, Jesus was from the prophets in the past, uh, Elijah, Elijah. It, it's a battle for uh, what's going on. It's, it's a spiritual warfare. We, we must fight for it. We must believe. Now, the glorious Christ, verses 14 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, saying, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me has been ahead of me, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What, what an emphasis on here. It, it talks about glory and grace. It speaks of his grace upon grace. First we have the grace that he came in, that God came, that God came and gave Moses the Mosaic law that they could recognize their sin and make offerings to receive the grace. And then Jesus was the fulfillment of that, grace upon grace. He came for, it would be a once and once and for all sacrifice that for those would be believing. And his glory upon glory, the emphasis on that, his glory, that Jesus came and he brought his disciples into the, as a spiritual mount of transfiguration, and they seen his glory with the Father. And then they seen all of, all of mankind, at every village he walked through, he was performing his miracles, one after another. He was making the dead rise from the dead. He was making the blind to see. He was making the lame walk. His glory was just, just bursting out of him. There was a lady that was, had continual, was continually bleeding, and she, she reached out and touched his, his robe, and said, he said, who touched me? And she was healed. His glory just permeated from this man, Jesus. Now, I'm not going to keep us here too long. So, I believe that a, a man-centered uh, gospel attracts man with with their fleshly desires and i and i talked about some things here that are that with a man-centered gospel they, they have a hard time to explain this so i was told that well god's that's not god's judgment that's his grace that's like a father spanking his son and i'd say to that yes i see that I see that God, that we can mourn the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit. But then I also see where God says that Ham, son Canaan, and the Canaanites were going to be cursed. 
And the judgment of God was going to fall upon them for the Israelites would come and just kill every single one of them. And I see where he raises up Pharaoh to show his glory. I see in Scripture where he says, I I hated Esau, but I loved Jacob. And to, to try to put that short, it's to say, this demonstrates God's glory. And also Scripture says, God chooses whom he chooses to show mercy on, and he chooses to show who he puts his wrath on. So, and I know a lot of people, and it, not even talking about all the ones when I started the message, but what about the people that feel they're cursed? What about the people that say, you know, there's no hope for me. I'm such a sinner. I've done so wrong. I've done this act. I've done that act. I'm, I, I, I'm continuing my sin. And there's a whole list of sins that says such were some of you. So I, I say this, the message of hope, that I believe my God is a great, powerful, merciful God. I can't understand all of it. I read the scriptures. I shed light to it. I bear witness to it. I bear light to it. And I know this, because that this little baby, baby Jesus was born, that God had manifested himself in the form of his creation. And we keep asking, like, God needs to do more. What more does God need to do? It's a simple message. It's a simple message for difficult people. What more does your creator need to do? I brought you through the book of Genesis. I explained to you right here how God himself had to come down and manifest himself in the form of his creation to live a sinless life, to perform miracle after miracle, to fulfill prophecies. Every prophecy of this book has been fulfilled and completed. It does not contradict itself. And it says there's one way to the Father, and there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. We must believe. And it tells us in Romans, it says, you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't say you need to work for your works. It doesn't say that you're so beat up that you're unredemptive. God has a redemptive plan to his history, and he's made it very simple, and it's made it very clear to believe, to believe this message. If you feel that you are a cursed one, if you are one of the cursed ones in that category, I, I, I ask you to challenge God. I ask you to holler out to God. Say, God, I believe in my heart I feel cursed. I believe in the almighty, powerful, living God, the creator of the heavens and earth, the one that sent Jesus to live. I believe. I need your help. I'm crying out to you today, Lord. Believe that from the bottom of your heart. Start right there with a prayer. I I, I believe our God. Our God is so great, so powerful, that he'll redeem you that he'll give you life, that he'll give you everlasting life. And see, from that, you you will be blessed. You'll be blessed if you're dying of cancer. You'll be blessed if you're in a war zone. You will be blessed no matter what, because to live is for Jesus and to die is gain. We're just sojourners in this world. Al had a wonderful song, And what will I do if heaven's not my home? Oh, Lord. And, you know, each day as I walk as a Christian, 
proclaiming the truth of God's word, I know more and more and more that this is accurate, true word of God. It's not difficult. It's not hard. I don't have to. I don't even understand it all. I'm not asking you to understand it all. I've just read some verses in scripture that it, it troubles me and it troubles my heart. But I know if I believe, if I be, and I have, I have the faith to trust in God. Don't be like Abraham and think you need to lie to accomplish God's work. All you need to do is get right with God. All you got to do is, I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I need to come to the Lord. And by the way, there is no little sin. I was reading there in Genesis, it talked about Ham seeing his father's nakedness. Now, if that's all it was, then I would think that would be a little sin. I'm not going to try to read into it. But regardless if it's a little sin or a big sin, Jesus paid the price for the sins if we believe. So if you're one that thinks it's only a little sin and you're going to be okay, I I just beg you to, to holler out to God also. You know, I, I think when we get to heaven, what we're, when I get to heaven, I know this. I'm going to see all sinners. I'm going to see all people that were born and they were condemned as sinners and they're all going to be up in heaven and we're all going to be singing glory and there's going to be a big banquet and there's going to be a lot of people in hell saying, I was a really good person. I did this and I did that. But you didn't believe. God sent Jesus into the Son. He said... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth him shall have everlasting life. He did not come in the world to judge the world, but you are judged already by not believing. He puts it back on the sinner. He tells you, you've judged yourself. You can do nothing to gain this. There's no works or nothing you can do. All you have to do is believe. If you don't believe the simple message, you have judged yourself. How only an all-powerful God, an infinite God, can, can make that work. Only, only an all-powerful, infinite God can continue to figure a way out to redeem His people, to send His Son, to come in the form of His carnation as a little helpless baby. To redeem his people. Only God could figure them things out. And then he makes it so easy for us. All we have to do is believe. So let let me just close us in prayer. Our Father and our God, I, I just pray at this Christmas time that it's not about the trees, it's not about the little red guy, it's not about... Uh, setting people free financially or curing illnesses or whatever fleshly thing they want. Lord, I pray that you just give people a heart to know, ears to hear, and eyes to see. I pray that they could take these simple words from a simple man and just receive them in their heart and holler out to the Lord today. Receive the greatest and the best gift of all. And I pray that that person can receive that gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, and they can become the God-honoring men and women of their families that you intended them to be. I pray that our congressmen, I pray that our senators, I pray that our mayors, I pray that our leaders will wake up to the fact and the reality that Jesus is King, that He has all authority in heaven and earth, and we must act now 
With his grace and mercy, we have the authority to speak for Christ, to speak for God, to live God-honoring lives. What shall be done on heaven shall be done on earth. If you're a Christian and you believe, it's time to get to work. It's time to proclaim the truth. It's time to talk about that little baby Jesus that came into the form of his creation to save those who will believe in him. It's not about our personal things or our, our little wants or our little needs. It's about our grandchildren. It's about ourselves. It's our salvation. And then for our family, our kids, our grandchildren, for the people in our community, that we may be that light, that shining light, the only light. Jesus is the light that shines through his believers, that radiate out through the communities. Don't get discouraged, Christian. Don't get discouraged, brother. Stand strong. Stand firm in the faith. Continue to preach the word in and out of season. Don't be ear ticklers. Proclaim the truth of God's word. Don't shrink back. Always extend your hand in love. Always extend our hand in love. There's redemption for all who believe. You just have to confess. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.